You've heard the old saying, trust your gut, referring to certain situations when you should rely on your intuition. But what if your gut isn't always reliable or it doesn't always speak to you? Can trusting your gut be a valuable tool when it comes to business? Welcome to episode 52, where I am joined by Ange de la Mer, a business visionary who says that we can train our intuition and then use that intuition to be better in business. And the great part is, we can do it without meditation, crystals, or giving up wine. I'm all ears. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, and PR and communications agency with offices in Boston, LA, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at NickersonCOS.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. You've had this happen to you before. You know you have. You have a gut feeling about something for some reason or another, and you just can't put your finger on why you feel a certain way about a thing or a person, and then later you find out that you were 100% correct about that thing or that person. And you wonder how you knew without knowing. I've often thought about gut feelings or intuition and wondered if it is something that can be honed. A recent article in Psychology Today states that gut feelings do have value in complex decision-making and that studies of top executives show that even after they analyze mounds of data, if the information does not tell them what to do, that is when their intuition kicks in and their gut is their guide. This is because studies on our gut, more specifically our enteric nervous system, or ENS for short, which is a complex system of around a million nerves, often referred to as our second brain, have found evidence of what many of us already suspected. Our brains and our guts talk to each other. But how can we tap into this potential? How can we begin to learn how to trust our gut and use intuition in our lives and in our businesses? Enter Ange de Lumaire, who is here to talk about her experiences with intuition and her four-step process to help us all learn to listen and to lean into our intuition. Ange, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is not a topic that I thought that I would ever cover, but here we are, and I'm super excited uh, to talk about you, for a little bit of history for the listeners, you spent 15 years as a mergers and acquisitions lawyer, yeah. but you also spent 15 years as a tarot card reader. Tell me about both of those things. Okay. Would you want to know how I went from one to the other or yes. just separate experiences? Okay. Well, I, I just studied in Paris to be a lawyer. I spoke three languages fluently. So this is my second language. My native language is French. I also speak Spanish. I traveled the world and then I had kids and then I couldn't travel as much as easily. So I asked to have a different kind of job. So I did knowledge management. And then I was offered a position in London, which I took and I moved over. And then I lost my job. <laughs> and I didn't want to go back to Paris. So I found myself wondering, what am I going to do next? And I had always been fascinated by reincarnation. 
So the first thing I thought about, and, and also psychology generally. So that's kind of fun that you just mentioned the psychology magazine because studying people, what makes them tick, how they react and, and all that sort of stuff always fascinated me. So first I did a, a and I, it's relevant, you'll see where, I did a one year listening, listening skills course and at the end of it, I thought maybe I'd go into counseling, but then it was three years. I had two children under five and I needed to make money quicker than that. So I decided to go for clinical hypnotherapy, which made me understand everything about how the mind works. And that was fascinating. So what happened is in order to move from Paris to London, I had the help of a psychic because it was a big decision. I was leaving my husband, leaving my support system, moving on my own with two kids under five, as I said. So it was a pretty big decision. And she was amazing. She was not just a psychic. She had this understanding and um, this compassion and everything around it. And I admired her and I made the secret wish within to be able to help people the way she's helped me. But I never thought I would end up doing that myself. So what happened when I lost my job as well, I went to see another clairvoyant because I needed that bit of comfort of, you know, knowing what to do. I had two kids, you know, if I was without children, it would have been much more easy to take risks. Mm -hmm. But here I was really vulnerable. And basically I went to, to, to a clairvoyant who told me certain things. And at the end of it, she said, you should be doing what I do. And I looked at her and I was like, this doesn't compute. <laughs> I didn't think of myself intuitive, let alone psychic. That really didn't compute at all. But I wanted to study what they were doing. I want to understand how psychic works, partly because my grandmother was an, an untrained psychic and she could see lots of stuff and she did tarot readings as entertainment, but it was nothing to do with her profession. So here I was, I had this psychic grandmother that never told me anything about anything. And I started having these weird dreams as well, premonitions. So I trained in tarot because of the, what this woman said and all the women I went to see after who kept on saying, you should be doing what I do. I said, okay, okay, I'll give it a try. And on the first day when I trained, and I'm gonna try and keep this brief, but um, I, you know how you go with a girlfriend to that kind of courses, especially <laughs> if you're completely far out and yeah. you, you feel scared and you don't, it's a the unknown. I had no girlfriend to go with, so I went on my own. And so the teacher paired me up with her to practice. Imagine having to do a tarot reader to a professional psychic. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, she said, you're completely spot on. You should absolutely continue to do that. And so I thought, okay. And so I did this tarot readings professionally for 15 years, and I did very well. But then I came to a point where I was... I can't compute the two. It's almost like there's two of me. There's the logical brain, the lawyer who is extremely, you know, respected. Mm -hmm. And then there's this intuitive person that a little bit far out. <laughs> and how do I put the two together? And then one day I decided to invest. You know, like you invest in business in a coach yeah. uh, to start your business. I decided to invest over 8,000 pounds. So that's about, I think, $10,000 in, in a woman who trained psychics in business. Hmm. Like she was a psychic business um, coach. And that was the best investment I ever did because she modeled for me the fact that I could completely integrate the two. The only problem was she was psychic and I wasn't in the sense that she could see and hear and I can't. Hmm. 
-hmm. So I still felt like a fraud. But then I realized, so when the day, the very day I invested in this program, I went in the shower and you know how you get your best ideas in the shower? Always in the shower. Yeah. When you're running or Or driving or washing the dishes. Literally after I paid that sum of money, I went in the shower and I was like, I'm supposed to go back into business with everything that I've learned in the past 15 years. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to do that. So I had to have faith and continue on my path. And it was literally this time last year, in April last year, that I was shown how to get back into LinkedIn and everything started to gel. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you seem to be able to tap into a lot of things around you. I'm not sure. I've had things in my life where I was like, wow, this happened at the exact right time. Wow, that sign came to me at the exact right time. Is it a sense of being open to those things? If you are close to those ideas, will will you not see them? I'm wondering how people can start to be able to see things. So first of all, don't put the pressure on to see anything or hear anything. We are all intuitive and we all receive it in a different way. For most people, it's going to be just a feeling in your body, a feeling in your gut. Sometimes you get goosebumps. Sometimes you can get a bit of a rush of energy. Um, People talk about tingles. Um, But it could just be a very quiet feeling of this feels right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the best way when you're starting on your path is to have an open mind for sure. Because if you don't, you'll miss all the signs. Luckily, though, the universe will ramp up the volume. (laughs) So if you don't listen the first time, it's going to be, you know, louder and louder and louder. That goes through the body, especially with illnesses. I don't know if you've noticed that. You don't listen to the first signs. You have a call, you push through, and then you get more ill, and then you, you're forced to listen. Yeah. So it's a little bit like that. Um, but I would say, yeah, the first is to have an open mind. The second is to start to understand how your intuition works, your very specific intuition for you, Jules, and me, Ange. Okay. So my intuition, the way it works is I just know things that I don't know why I know them, but I know them anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a form of getting intuition, but just the knowing. And it's probably the one that's the most infuriating because you always think you make things up. Mm-hmm. But it also happens to be the vast majority of the way people receive their intuition, which is why I feel in a way I'm the best teacher for business owners who might not be clairvoyant, clairsentient and who wants to hone on to their intuition. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I'm definitely not <laughs> clairvoyant or clairsentient. Like I just. I have had moments in my life where I felt like I needed a sign and I got signs and signs are a wonderful way to get started as well. Okay. But this, then you have to have sort of an awareness of what signs look like, Mm -hmm. how they can come and pay attention. Because of course, if your head is completely over busy with things, you will miss a sign. Hmm. This is sort of a question that I don't think there's an answer to. Does everybody have these signs and just half of the people are missing them? You can miss them, but the universe will probably give you another chance. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. When I took my son to university a couple of years back, I was kind of worried uh, about taking him down. And I sort of had the feeling that my father, who's um, departed, I had the feeling he was with him. And my father gave me a very, very clear sign that he was. Mm -hmm. It was like in my face and I missed it. Like I missed it big time Mm -hmm. on the first day because I was so preoccupied, which is something that happened, can happen to anyone. 
And then what happened is the next day I walked past the same sign and I finally got it. Yeah. So I think there's always a second chance. I don't want people to think, oh, if I miss my sign, that's it. You know, it's gone. No, the universe will continue to give you signs to guide you. And, and because it's benevolent, it just wants to help you. So one reason I was struck by the package that you sent me about business intuition was you said, you know, you don't need to sit cross-legged and meditate and have crystals and give up wine and have kept like, cause I always feel like these things are only available to people who deprive themselves of things or are like, so like in tuned with yourself, which I'm not like, I can't, I've talked about it a million times on this podcast. I can't meditate. I'm a fidgety person. I have a hard time sitting still and concentrating. So I always feel like sometimes these things are marketed or or given to people that you have to achieve a certain level of something in your life, whether that's calmness or transcendence or something like that, to be able to pick up on these things or to benefit from them. And you're saying no. So tell me, explain why that is, because I think that's really important for someone like me and also the hustlers that listen to this podcast. Absolutely not. You absolutely don't have to meditate for hours, wear crystals, give up on coffee or wine. Absolutely not. This is ridiculous. It's a bit like, um, so this, this is the world I discovered when I entered the psychic world. There's, I call them the fluffy unicorns, okay? And I couldn't relate to them. It's, you know, it's people who go vegan and who meditate and do an hour yoga in the morning and have their uh, green smoothies and whatever. No, of course not. Actually, when I trained, the first training I did, it was more for healing, but they were all psychics at a spiritualist church. They all smoke and, <laughs> and drank wine. <laughs> so this, this is clearly against that. It's, it's just sort of fashion almost. Mm. So I'm not saying to get you know drunk every day and, and do all sorts of things. But what I want to say is that what you need, it's more the quality of your heart that matters. Mm -hmm. right if you are a person who cares if you are a person who is heart-centered then you have everything that you need to to connect to your intuition because the intuition comes actually through the heart okay people say it comes through the third eye no it comes absolutely through the heart it's called also heart intelligence so it's important to understand that it's the intent that matters much more than what you do mm -hmm. So we talked about the crystals, the wine and, the, and all that stuff. So we're going to break down your four-step process. But before I do that, I want to ask how someone can maybe get over the stigma of, so you were an analytical person, you were a logical person, you were a lawyer. Yeah. Um, that is something that you train for and you have qualifications for and people respect that as a profession. And how does someone like you or like me, who obviously I live in a world steeped in data and strategy. Yeah. And that feels like something everybody accepts. Yeah. But this sort of softer, erythral side of things are things that people think, oh, that's out there or that's a little woo woo or whatever. Like how can somebody who is, has your brain, who has a very similar brain to mine based in logic and, and, and strategy, be able to embrace this more sort of curvy, less linear okay. piece of strategy. 
So the first thing that I hope is going to put you and all your listeners at ease is that there's an article by the Harvard Business Review that says that um, the skills that are the most important, the higher you go into a company, the most important skills are the intuitive skills. Okay. And then there's a, a survey that's been done by a technology institute and basically said they've studied um, companies for five years, uh, companies that whose profit went uh, doubled in five years. So they wanted to find what exactly was happening. And they found that 80% of the executives that led these companies had intuitive skills above average. Okay. So this is not woo-woo. This is results. Okay. It's just that because people like... You know how people like yes and no. They like black and white. Yes. And so they put the logic in one camp and the, and the intuition in the other. And I'm here to say they actually work together. The more data you have, the more your intuition is going to sit on it, sift through the data, and make the right decision based on what is right, on a higher consciousness almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And in, in, we are in such a, an information overload society that it's actually more and more and more important to hone those intuitive skills so that you can, you know, it's like Richard Branson says, he's not even interested in the data. Of mm. course, he's presented it, but at the end of the day, he uses his intuition. And that's how mm. most skilled executives do because they don't mm. have time to get into it. Right. And also, if you only rely on the data, you will never be innovative. What you'll do is just reproduce what's been done in the past. And I believe we live in a society now where we need to, Find a solution for the now, which is completely different than even a year ago. And you'll agree with me with COVID and everything. Mm -hmm. Everything's been thrown up in the air. Mm -hmm. The more the world is volatile, uncertain, unexpected, the more you'll need your intuition to be able to navigate. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah? yeah. And most, I will give you an example of a lady I have worked with. So we worked together at the start of the pandemic. And she had a pop-up shop because she, she created a line of sports gear. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was just trying to get it in, onto the high street in the UK. And she was doing really, really well. And at the end of the first um, um, trimester, Q1 of, of 2020, despite the fact she was doing so well, something felt wrong for her and she decided not to renew her lease. Mm -hmm. Literally two days later, COVID hit. Yeah. She would have lost everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, some people might call it woo-woo, fluffy, whatever. But she wasn't the lucky one. She followed her intuition. Sure. Even though it didn't make sense at all. And very often your intuition is not going to make any sense. Right. But okay. you know that if you don't follow it, because maybe you haven't in the past, it's always dire results for you. Mm -hmm. Or inversely, if you're lucky, you've always listened to it and you've seen you've had mind-blowing results. Mm -hmm. So it's really also a bit experimental. You've got to be ready to listen to it, act on it, and have that leap of faith to get into it and think, if I have this feeling, I'm going to honor it. I don't necessarily understand it, but I'm going to honor it. And let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. So it's never your intuition that disappoints you or lets you down. It's more the trust that you have in it, if that makes sure. sense. Okay. You work specifically with people with businesses. So the four-step yeah. process that you use to help people lean into their intuition for business? Where do we start with that? So the first thing is to write down 
all the questions that you have, all the decisions that you have to make at that particular point. And we have tons as business owners. We are constantly having to make decisions. You can get even to decision fatigue because there's so many things and so many options and everything. So you write it all down so it's out of your head and you almost empty your head of all the things you're thinking of. And once you have all these questions that you'd like your intuition to help you make a decision with, or maybe just the decisions you want to make, <laughs> you, what you do is you look at the piece of paper and see if there's one that stands out to you. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, looking at something on a piece of paper and you notice one sentence more than the rest. That's a way that your intuition can tell you which one you should pick first. Okay. Okay. So once you've picked the question, what you want to do is to make sure that you've formulated it the right way. Because I don't know, as an interviewer, you know very well that the quality of the question that you ask mm -hmm. will get you the quality of the answer. So yeah. there's certain questions that don't really work that well. Like, am I going to be successful in my business? <laughs> that is just such a vague question. It's too big, right? It's too broad. Too big. And also, so much depends on you. Mm -hmm. So it's much better to ask something like, if I want to have, let's say, $5,000 more in my business next month, what should I be doing different in my business? That's a much better one. Okay. Because it's precise. It's measurable. So now you have a question. You need to work a little bit on it. I would say most of the art of tapping into your intuition is how you ask the question. Okay. Then what you want to do, once you've asked the question, you ask it in with your hand on your heart. And that's mostly to almost disconnect your mind because your mind is going to try and mess up with it. So you put your hand on your heart. You think of the question. You ask it either aloud or in your mind. You thank your intuition for the answer and you go and do something else. <laughs> like have a shower mm -hmm. or a drive, <laughs> go and do the dishes or go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And then you wait for the answer. What you have is to be convinced that you will receive the answer. It will land one way or another, sooner or later, exactly at the right time. And you'll know it when it lands. So the last step is obviously to be aware. And it's a really strange state you have to get in. It's like detachment from the answer and at the same time paying attention. So you have to have enough detachment, like you know the answer is coming. If you have any anxiety as to, no, I'm not intuitive, it's not going to come, then you're going to block it. So you need to you know, either switch your mind to something else so you don't think about it so it can, come, it can land easier or um, just do something that gets you into the zone. You know, uh, As a clinical hypnotherapist, I know that if you do anything that is a little bit uh, on autopilot, like driving, sharing, all the things that you don't really need to, to think about when you do them, then it gets you into that, that trance that where you can receive the answers. Right. And then the last step, which is not step, like you have the whole package now, but what's super important once you've had the answer and the clarity is to act on it. Okay. Because I always say intuition without action is like a car without an engine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just have to act on it. Yeah, because I always say don't learn and not do. So, yeah, because so many people do that. Like, so I, you know, when I give speeches, I try to say to the audience, please don't take everything I've just said and absorb it and not do anything with it. Yeah. At that point, you've just wasted your time. Yeah. So act on it. Okay. So 
I've read some articles that talk about a little, like we, we aren't intuitive. Like this isn't coming from our gut. This is actually coming from a subconscious place where we notice signs around us and they happen so quickly that our brain isn't registering them, but somehow our body is registering them. So if you're walking down the street and you decide to walk to the other side and then an accident happens on that side of the street, like that we would, that it wasn't actually our gut, that it wasn't intuition, that like our brain did pick up on all of these things that are happening and made us move. Cause we do talk about like the best ideas come in the shower. They come when you're on a run, they come when your sort of subconscious brain is taking over. So how much of this is learned experiences held in the subconscious and how much of it is intuition or are, so that's are a really good saying? question because there's two schools about intuition there's one that comes from the book called blink uh, by yep. malcolm gadwell yep. and yep. that's pattern recognition and so he has this famous example of this statue that all the experts said it was genuine and then a couple of people who were more experienced said no there's something wrong it feels off and it turned out it was a fake. So that came from their knowledge and their experience over the spans of years that they had been looking at all these genuine ones. Mm -hmm. And so their body knew on a subconscious level, it is the subconscious, you're right, Mm -hmm. that this didn't feel right. That's one form of intuition, but it's not the whole whole game. Mm -hmm. Because then there's that little extra that might not come from anything at all. Right. And it comes back to what we were talking about. The more you know, the more your intuition is going to sit on it and be magnified. So obviously an expert will much easier know about it being a fake than a non-expert. Right. But someone who's tuned to their intuition would know regardless of whether they know anything or not. Mm-hmm. So it's just another level. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I get it. And when I look back at your four step process. I, I didn't write down the question, should I invest in yeah. a book writing coach? It was a question that I had that I probably wrote somewhere in my goals. And I was trying to decide if I was going to hire her. And we met serendipitously. We met at a, at a writing retreat. That was one sign. I was struggling writing this book. She She was a sign. And then I needed, okay, well, what's the sign that I should hire her? And so I reached out to friends who could do research on her and they said, yes, you should hire her. And I was like, I need one more thing, yeah. you know? And then I, I tell the story about how I tuned into MSNBC in the morning and there was an author on, and I knew my coach had written her book. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is way too many signs. I'm going to do it. But I was actively looking for the signs. So in yours, you're like, don't think about it, but think about it. But I was actively thinking about it every day. Am I going to invest in this? Well, that's not nothing wrong with it because that means you were paying attention. Right. And that's brilliant. That's exactly what you want to do. When I say stop thinking about it, it's more for the people who tend to overthink and who are maybe a little anxious and who may not believe in their intuition or don't think that they're going to get a sign, then they can get a bit stuck. So it's best to go and do an activity that will relax you because anxiety, fear cannot live in the same space as intuition. Mm-hmm. They're mutually exclusive. So for intuition, you need to be relaxed. Whether you have multiple employees or you're like myself, you're a solopreneur, we have to connect this sort of softer science to 
the science of business and we, we need yep. to mesh them together for people to really start doing this and really start reaping the benefits. Yeah. And then it's, it's just that it makes things so much easier and so much less stressful. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the universe conspires once you decide to go with the flow. Like you saw the energy, you saw the signs and it showed you that this mm-hmm. was the right person. So I'll give you an example of how it can go. I've created a deck of Oracle cards that is specifically for business. Okay. And every Monday I draw a card for the energy of the week in business. A couple of weeks ago, I drew the card of trademark. So I thought, oh, I'm going to check into my trademarks. Maybe there's something I need to pick on that. So I Google my trademark. It comes up on the screen. It's all over the place. So I'm doing well with these SEO. And in the middle, I have a line uh, that says it's a, someone's website that says intuitive leadership mastery. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to check it on that. So I check, click on the link. Then I realized when I clicked on it that I knew this woman and she'd written a book that I bought two years ago that I'd never read. And I knew I wanted to read it. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I kind of browsed on her website, found she had a podcast. And I'm I was actively looking for podcasts to be on because I'm promoting both my own podcast, which I've launched last week, and a memoir that I'm writing about how I went from being a lawyer to being a tarot reader. I pitched. She immediately booked me in. Through pulling a card, having curiosity, super important, following the energy, the curiosity. Oh, I'm curious about that. And then not only that, she's now a client of mine. Yeah. Because she loved so much the interview. She said, I want to work with you. So this is how intuition can go from going through a tedious process where you're going to waste a lot of time and energy to literally being inspired and something extraordinary happens. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, if we want to work less in our business and enjoy life more, if we want to, especially for those of us who have families, who have friends or hobbies, or maybe who want to have a chilled lifestyle, mm-hmm. intuition can be an incredible way to achieve as much, if not more, by doing less. So because this podcast is networking and relationship building, yeah. you give us a little bit of advice on when we meet somebody and we kind of feel like, oh, I... I don't know about this person. You have a gut feeling when you meet yep. somebody that they're good or bad. Absolutely. This is actually how it started for me because I have very strong gut feelings about people when I meet them. I have actually a, a big no or a big yes. And it's usually very clear. But of course, my entire life I've been told off by my parents for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting, and I hope that your listeners will be open enough to this, but I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to explain it in a way that will make complete sense. Okay. I'm a Reiki master. So I've trained in Reiki. And for people who don't know that, it's just universal energy. So it's a modality that transfers energy that helps people get better or relaxed or whatever it is. So I came to intuition through the understanding of energy. And what I was shown is that when we meet new people, we have this in its sense of connecting with them at an energy level. So Mm -hmm. we sometimes call it uh, our vibes. So if people are on the same vibes as us, we get along right away. Whereas if they're not, we don't want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So you, you walk into a network meeting. It's an in-person event. But your body will send these strands of energy to touch the other people. And immediately you'll have likes and dislikes. And they will too. It's mm-hmm. an energy thing. And, and we go, it's, it can be explained by the fact that we have an energy field around us. And there's some science that's gone into it to research that. But what I've been shown very clearly is we send like those feelers. 
and they will touch other people's feelers and then we'll know if we're compatible. Mm-hmm. Does that make a little bit of sense? How many people can pick up on that? Everybody has that, but some people just ignore it. Then their minds come into it. Yeah. Right. And I've done that so many times with people. I had a bad feeling and then I felt guilty. Yes. I, you know, I said to myself, oh my God, maybe that's a nice person. I'm so mean. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I talked myself out of it. Yep. That's happened and to me I, too. It always ended up in a, in a drama. Yeah. And I knew, and I'll say to my husband, I knew it. I knew he was a piece of shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? But you feel guilty because you know <laughs> it's at the start and you don't give people a chance. Yeah. Especially well, I'm saying me, like I, my entire life is building relationships and finding commonality and how to work with people. It doesn't happen very often, but there are people where I'm like, nope, no way. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And, and I think it's the conditioning, the social conditioning that tunes us out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not a judgment. It's just that we're not on the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So if people want to learn more about you, I'm going to put a link to your website in there. I know you have some different packages that people can look at. You have um, some downloads that they can look at too. Yeah. The freebie they can get from my website, which is the intuitiverevolution.co.uk is actually a workbook for the four steps that we just talked about. But it kind of warms you up to it by making you um, aware of when you've had experiences before to build your confidence, as a couple of questions to ask you, how do you think you receive your information uh, the most? So it's a bit of detective work to make you more conscious of your style, your intuitive style. Mm -hmm. Because everybody has a style, you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And I'm actually working on a quiz too. Oh, great. For that. Yeah. I don't know okay. when it's going to be out, but I'm working on a quiz to say, and it's going to be along the, the lines of, is your intuition strong enough to make decisions in business so that people know if they need to work a little bit more to be able to use it in business or if they're already ready to embrace it. I'll put links to everything you have right now in the show notes. But as soon as you have that quiz done, I can update the show notes at a later date. Yeah, but I already have a podcast though, which is called the Business Intuition Podcast that I launched last week. What I want you to know about that podcast, there's 11 guests that share their stories of intuition and they are mainstream business owners who had much more traditional training and background, but who came to realize that actually they were intuitive and they share their aha moments. And I feel that sharing stories of intuition is the most powerful way to remind everyone of how intuitive we are. Because when you share a story, then someone else says, oh, this happened to me and this happened to me. And we can start connecting the dots. Yeah, you can be more cognizant of it happening around you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. This was great. I'm, I'm so excited that we had this conversation. Thank you so much for having me as well. I'm very excited as well. I'm very, very grateful. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Bye. So the absolute craziest part of this entire podcast episode is how Anj and I found each other. Back in March, I started thinking about doing this series, this woo-woo series, and I started to think about topics that I could discuss. I had recently read an article discussing the second brain, the cells that are present in our brain, but that also live in our gut. When I read this, I knew I wanted to do an episode on intuition. 
what generally happens when I decide to cover a topic is that I go out and actively search for the expert to bring in and have the conversation with. But I didn't have to do that because the day after I decided to put together this series, Anj sent me an email to introduce herself. She's a fan of the podcast and thought that you, my friends, might benefit from a discussion about intuition. Are you serious? It was like kind of scary, freaky, awesome all at the same time, kind of like she was reading my mind, kind of like she had intuition about what was going on in my mind. So after having this conversation with her, I think maybe we should spend some time thinking about instances where our intuition was present. I know each and every one of us has had these experiences, but have we ever taken the time to really reflect on how many times this has happened to us? Have we actually taken the time to write down these instances and what was happening with them? I'm sure we're all way more intuitive than we give ourselves credit for. Intuition can come in many shades. It comes through images, sounds, words, thoughts, smells, feelings, like tingles and goosebumps. The signs can be big and bold and in your face or they can be so small you almost miss them. It could just be a knowing, a gut feeling. It's all intuition. I think if we were more open to it and start noticing these instances and acknowledging them, then the power of our own intuition would get stronger. So I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. Okay, so since we are in the woo-woo series, the earthy kind of crunchy series, our drink of the day is the June Shine Hard Kombucha. I fucking love kombucha. I love it even more if it's hard. (laughs) This particular brand of kombucha comes in a few different flavors, but for today we are enjoying the honey ginger lemon version. Are you guys at all familiar with kombucha? Well, According to WebMD, kombucha is a fizzy, sweet, and sour drink made with tea. Kombucha has been around for nearly 2,000 years. It was first brewed in China and then spread to Japan and Russia. It became popular in Europe in the early 20th century. And now, because it has a reputation as a health and energy drink, sales of it in the United States are spiking. The basic ingredients in kombucha are yeast, sugar, and black tea. The mix is set aside for a week or more. During that time, bacteria and acids form in the drink, as well as a small amount of alcohol. It does have a funk, like a funky, fizzy flavor, but I love that. I mean, I drink hot water and apple cider vinegar in the morning, so this funny, funky flavor works for me, but not for everyone. Anyway, if you see it, give it a try. Although none of it has been none of it has been scientifically proven, advocates say that kombucha helps your digestion, rids your body of toxins, and boosts your energy. It's also said to boost your immune system. I mean, they're not talking about the hard kind; they're talking about the regular kind when they give you these, you know, um, when they give you these benefits. But, anyways, when it comes in the hard form, I guess it's a little bit of uh, detox retox all mashed into one. Anyway. Let me know if you have any hard kombuchas that you like. Um, And Todd, I know you are listening to this on your morning run, so let me know if Joe is still putting tequila in his kombucha or if he's found a hard kombucha that he likes off the shelf. All right, friends, that's it for this series. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really so much fun to research topics and then to discuss these topics with these three experts. Are there other woo-woo topics that you'd like me to cover, maybe in another series down the road? If there are, shoot me an email at julie at juliebrownbd.com. And that's it. Until next week. Cheers. 
Thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. We'll be right back.